You are now listening to Kindred Spirits Podcast on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. Welcome into Kindred Spirits here on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. Ted here, John here. If you're on the live stream, this is the second part of the show. If you are listening on the podcast, welcome. We do this every, uh, you'll get this every Thursday, unless you subscribe to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash refugees. John, you know, we didn't get really to do the How Was Your Weekend properly. So how was your weekend, my friend? I hope it was good. It was, it was great, Ted. I can't complain at all. I got to spend, I went shopping with my daughter to at the Potomac Mills Mall, and I we, we went by Claire's. This is the first time she's been in the mall as like a, a fully formed human that can walk around and make choices. And she saw Claire's and was like, I want to go in there. And I was like, okay. And then oh we, went boy. In there. we went in there and she bought a small, if you're watching on the live stream, it's about a three inch uh, backpack with a drag, like with like a cat dinosaur on it. And I was like, you want that? She's like, yeah, I want it. I was like, all right, well, how much could this be? What's the most this could be? <laughs> it was $15. And it's just like a, it's just, it's a backpack with no functional value. So I was like, my life is going to be buying these things now. <laughs> this is just the beginning of that, a long series of useless buys that I'm like, this is just trash. You don't that, even like this. That, that marketing, that marketing, man, they, they, they know what they're doing. They just, at early They age. also put, they put things that I, I never noticed this before. They put things that kids want down on their eye level. Like if you walk oh, by. Yeah. There'll be like a there'll be like a small mannequin with a hoodie that has cocoa melon on it. I'm like you, ha- you jerks, you, you jerks. You know, you, you know why for on the um on like uh, cereal boxes? You know why all the characters' eyes are going downward? No, it's it's so that they can be looking directly at the kids. <laughs> Man, cruel evil geniuses they are. <laughs> yep. Uh, more and for more marketing news, check out our other podcast. That's right. That's right. We started doing marketing one. philosophy one hundred and one. I don't know. T- whatever. In, in, Ted, in addition, in addition to your knowledge about cereal boxes and all these things, tell me about your wonderful b- your birthday weekend. You're a, you're a you're a wily old thirty two now. I'm thirty two years AAR, old. AARP um, card in the mail to you. Yeah, I know. I'm like halfway there. <laughs> halfway there. I'm not not there yet. Um, but yes, I turned 32, uh, last weekend. Unfortunately, my birthday was not, uh, it was, it was still a nice birthday. I'm, I, I'm finding myself enjoying more, maybe relaxing where I don't, I have, I have, don't have obligations to do things. I can relax. I can watch, I watch soccer pretty much all day because I fortunately caught a cold. So, um, it was a day, it was a great day to do it, man. There was a fourth round of the FA cup. Um, so that was fun. Um, and uh, obviously, then there was the MX later that night. So I mean, it was still it was still a, a good birthday. Um, so, but it was a more relaxing birthday while I try to get over this cold, which you can probably hear right now. In between, <laughs> in between talking, I am muting my microphone and taking massive coughs, trying to. He's a professional. He's he's keeping <laughs> he's keeping the sickness away from you. Ted, imagine when like the leagues that we cover are going to be in season. There's so much soccer on, and none of the none of the leagues that we truly deeply care about are even on right now. No USL, no NWSL, yep. no MLS. We're just the, the the soccer deluge awaits us. It's not far from now. It is not far, and is and we we talked. Um, by the way, if you're if you're we will do we'll, we'll do we will plug if you're listening on the podcast version and you are uh, you do not listen to United Six. We had an awesome interview with Devin McTavish. Definitely go check it out. Um, he was great to join us for the first twenty minutes of our show, and had a lot of cool things to say and a lot of <laughs> a lot of good stories, uh, including about um, about <laughs> watch, uh, including a nice little uh, anecdote about Dave Johnson replying on Twitter, which every single DC fan I think can appreciate uh, <laughs> about the man. We, so we do that during podcasts, but that's less that's less impressive than live television, I think. 
Yeah, I think. Especially when you're trying to watch a game. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's get into the news. Let's start talking. Uh, We do have a little bit of some... uh, Rumors. Remember last week? They were like, somebody asked us what players are going to come and sign for the Spirit. We said we don't know rumors because no one covers this team like that. Guess what? We have a rumor, kind of. You're muted still, Ted. We got a uh, we got an announcement, um, an announcement that came out uh, related to I think another team putting out a press release mm-hmm. saying that um, that this player was uh, Enos Jarana. I think am I pronouncing that correctly? Jarwina. Uh, I don't know. We're gonna find yeah, out. We're gonna find out. Uh, she apparently is Leona. Leon announced her departure and then said she's going to the Washington Spirit and then quickly changed the article to just say she's leaving. <laughs> not, she's going somewhere. I don't know. Who, who knows? Could be anywhere. Not really sure what that's all about. Um, I think she's a midfielder. So, But we're starting to see players come in. There was also another one I think that came in right before we started recording a rumor. A rumor, an actual like rumor. Like if, if I was like, what, what team am I watching? Um, what team am I watching here where it's uh, where there are actually like other news articles from internationally that are covering uh, the NWSL? I can't find it right here. Um, but uh, but anyway. Um, oh, here it is. Uh, oh, boy. Could did it to Diani? Apparently, uh, PSG are hoping to extend her contract, which expires in the summer. But apparently, uh, Real Madrid and Washington Spirit are also highly interested in her as well. So, and Chelsea. And Chelsea as well. So, um, interesting. It is a little bit interesting to see uh, to see all the sort of uh, – to see these rumors start to develop, I think, for – she does play forward, which is interesting. I was that to say, number 11. So, not, not a, a, still not being a center back. But who, yeah, you know. so, I mean, we're just going to win every game 5-4, to four, I guess. So, the rumors are coming fast and furious once we have some actual some actual player news. Um, we will then, uh, we will then of course, relay that information and give you all the information that we can. Uh, there's not, there's not the, there's not an F brief, unfortunately, for for women's soccer yet. I think Stat Bomb is jumping in, so we definitely need some more of that to, the, to give us some idea on how some of these guys, some of these players are going to play. The tweet says, uh, the Washington, the the PSG player is also attracting interest from Real Madrid and Washington Spirit, but is not insensitive to the London club's huge salary offer. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, Chelsea will, will drop a bag on her head, and then that'll probably make her mind up. But yeah. Gotta love, those, gotta love those. Gotta love those. Gotta love the salary cap. Um, some other, some other sort of news that dropped. I think relating to the Washington Spirit, um, they have a couple of U seventeen and U sixteen players: Chloe Ricketts um, and Milan Remilian Milian Riembas Riembas Rebimbas. Yeah, Dang for it. the US, US U17 midfielder. Uh, so this is part of the, uh, these are both players I believe that are local. Um, and this is part of the new U18 mechanism or I, what I'm calling the NWSL homegrown rule because there's not academy set up or everything like that. Basically NWSL clubs um, after the Jaden Shaw, which I think Spirit fans, including myself, are still a little bit bitter about. Um, after that whole si- fiasco, let's call it a fiasco. I think the NWSL made the right choice and said, we need to come up with some mechanism. More and more young players are going to come into this league. You know, obviously there are a lot of concerns regarding protection of players. And I think this was why when, when everybody was talking about why isn't there a mechanism and then all this stuff started to come out, I think everybody was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> like, that's why there was like, oh, like even the players were just like, no players under the age of 18 here. Like no players, like we're not, you know, we're not subjecting kids to like, to, to Rory Dames and uh, and and Richie Burke <laughs> and literally every other coach in 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 NWSL, but now I think they're they're taking efforts to 
ensure that safety and also allow more younger players in. The stipulations, I believe, there are a lot of stipulations. Like the most important thing is like they have to basically live at their parents' house until they are 18. So I think it's sort of incentivizing finding local players, finding players who are young, who they think can make that next step. Um, I think it's long past due as far as like ensure the safety, but we also want to see, you know, some younger talent come through, uh, come through the NWSL. Um, This is what I think is going to maybe increase. We talk a lot about how much college soccer means to NWSL. Uh, Almost every player comes through college. There are very few exceptions of players who do not come through uh, through college soccer. So I think this is starting to turn. I'm sure there are a lot of college soccer coaches out there that are looking at this and like, oh my goodness, this might might be bad from the talent I'm going to be able to bring in. I, th- I think the challenge, the differential between uh, the academy system and sort of youth development, youth professional development on the men's and the women's side, is there isn't enough money in the women's game yet to make it worthwhile for you not to pursue a four year degree if you could yeah. potentially do it. That's the challenge, right? Yep. So it'll. I think we're still a strong, a long way away from basically uh, a, a NWSL two or whatever you want to call it, a competitor league that's actually. Uh, a reasonable route to professionalism that makes sense. It makes a lot more sense if you can get a full ride to a D1 school, even for a couple of years and not even the whole way through, like that's the way to do it. So that that's the real struggle, I think. I mean, it's proven. It's also, it's not a detriment to your ability to get on a NWSL roster to potentially make it to the women's national team. Uh, almost everybody or go right it. into a European side because yeah. it's not mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's not like there's, you know, 16 year old professionals all over the place over there as well. So it's, you know, like to your point that that's always the argument on the men's side of the game is that like, if you're starting after college, you're starting too late to really make it mm-hmm. most times. So yeah, different whole, totally different mindset from the men's side. And I think it's also, it speaks to the lack of development on the women's side, obviously that the college is still the greater option. So, but I think, I think we're starting to see that shift a little bit. It's going to be slow. It's going to be encompassing, but I mean, I think, I mean, you, you, you have the richest player right now um, in Trinity Rodman, who I think only spent a year in college yep. and came up. So it's definitely the, the salaries I think are going to start to shift um, a little bit in the league. Let's get into, I guess it feels like every week there is a new story dropping or a new report out there about just awful behavior amongst front office staff. Um, this one was spirit, spirit, I think related, related. Um, certainly related with Chris Ward. I'm hoping this is the bottom um, of the barrel. I'm hoping yeah. we're reaching like the <laughs> it, very bottom of the bad barrel of bad news. It, it does feel like we've, I think we've, okay, I won't, I won't under, I won't underpin uh, what what's being said here, or I won't, you know, try to, to, to gloss it up. It doesn't deserve gloss up. Both the, the three people involved in this definitely deserve their suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely deserve not to be here involved in NWSL anymore. Uh, it's horrible, awful, but it does feel like, okay, now we're starting, you're starting to see stuff where it's no longer like lifetime bans. It's two year bans and they have to do a heck of a lot to get back in. Um, the first one, let's talk, let's talk about the spirit related one, which is Chris Ward. We had all heard about the incident apparently that happened in training that sort of led to his firing. Um, players apparently started to raise concerns about verbal abuse, emotional abuse, uh, and a, um, overly aggressive behavior and harassment and negative racial stereotyping. And that, oof, oof, that that's all. Because we've had, I mean, we've had Chris Ward on the show. I, I, think it, I think it really undersells. I mean, he was the one player, he was the one coach who you kind of like you saw the public side of him about, you know, the, the t-shirts he wore and everything like that. And all of that just honestly feels empty at this point. Um, hearing all of this, he's just 
maybe not as maybe maybe somewhat worse than than Richie Burke. I don't know if anybody could be worse than Richie Burke, but certainly like now he is on that level um, of sort of being. I, I talk like about aggressive le- behavior, racial stereotyping. I mean, that was Richie Burke did all of those things as well. He said Richie Burke said slurs. Yes, Richie. So I, I, I think that there's probably a gradient between racial stereotyping. It's bad, right? Like that. It's that bad. part was that part was not included before. That part is a, that that's the part that caught my eye the most. Um, you know, he is he is off doing his own thing. If you're following him on Instagram, he's doing coaching training across Europe. I think I do. I do like. I am to your point. You called this out before. I like that they are coming up with a way to have a path back to redemption in some way. By be be it through training, be it through admitting the issue that went that went wrong, and then like not all of these people, but and we'll talk about the other ones as well. But I think that that is it's important to allow someone to you know, grow and, and get better. And, and, and if, if a team decides they want you and you've done what you need to do, then you can have a second chance at it. I think that's, that's good. The players before the coaches before, uh, from the first or second wave of horrible, bad news from the bad news barrel, uh, they, they did crimes that, that preclude you from getting that second chance in coaching. Cause it's not really, you know, it's coaching is not a, uh, not an obligation, but it's, it's not like a thing that everybody gets. Like you don't get mm-hmm. to be a coach just because you want to. But I, I, I like the way that the NWSL is starting to approach these these sort of uh, non non crimes, non like actual crime crimes, but like ho- bad, be- very bad behavior that has been proven and uh, you know and and spelled out. Yeah, um, the two others listed in the report were so uh, both involved the Portland Thorns. It was Sophie, uh, Sophie a team Sophie that Kloff. has a team that has had no public attention at all. <laughs> uh, no more than anybody else for sure. Sophie Kloff and Pierre Sobert. I will get to Sobert later, but Sophie Kloff um, basically was credibly accused of kissing, uh, which I mean, their cameras over all over the final. So I'm sure it was picked up, uh, picked up on video. Um, she's also was apparently accused of bullying and other inappropriate behavior. They couldn't substantiate that, but they did substantiate uh, kissing a player on the neck on the field. <laughs> That's a little bit easier to substantiate, unfortunately for her. I would imagine she's like, oh, I did this thing on a field in front of a million cameras and fans. I can't believe. I yeah. Can't believe it was, can't believe yeah. It was so, so I think she. I think they. She's been giving a two-year ban. Um, same sort of thing. She needs to credibly show that she, you know, go through trainings and everything like that. Uh, Pierre Sobert, I think. I think of the Chris Ward and, and Sophie Klopp. I think from a obviously the Chris Ward stuff was important to us as Washington Spirit fans. Uh, the Sobert stuff kind of took over that whole announcement. Um, basically. As an athletic trainer, the most egregious part was that he gave. Um, also, she he is also uh, married Chris- to Crystal Dunn, mm-hmm. um, so I think that also added to the added to this certainly, and uh, gave two players coding, uh, one without without her consent. I I think that is incredibly egregious. Uh, I think he's also potentially opening himself up. I think there has to be some legal. I don't know, like the medical like license and and issues, but that seems pretty egregious giving something you know without consent i think is pretty bad i think that is that is in my mind that is like i mean basically somebody giving you a pill saying hey take it and not telling you exactly what it is now maybe there was a miscommunication i don't know miscommunication who knows but it's still that one that one reads as as one of the worst of 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 the of the of the bunch for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you are familiar with Tyler Skaggs, a LA Angels pitcher who overdosed after he was given mm-hmm. uh drugs by his team trainer, uh it's obviously you are you are a 
a medical professional, uh, you have like your your player safety and care in in your hands. It's one thing, you know, if you're watching the NFL playoffs this week, where a player you know gets hurt and comes off and then comes back, they're shooting him up with all of the stuff, all of the horse tranquilizers, mm-hmm. all the things. But those are you know those. It's not a surprise to that player. That player is, has decided that that's what they're going to do, and you know whether or not it's right for the long term health of the player is another thing. But this is. Uh, it's not, it's not good. It's certainly yeah. not good at all. It's, and I'm glad that the league is showing sort of a, a no tolerance to, to, to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that one, that one hit very rough. So we'll have to wait. I, I feel like, I feel like we get to a point with these NWSL releases. We're like, okay, that's, that's like, we're, we're going to, there has to be a bottom, right? That's and what I'm we'll saying. Just, we just keep finding more and more. I mean, it's, it's Yeah. Watch yeah. this space. I guess we have to say we'll, we'll <laughs> pick it up later if we have to. Yeah, watch, watch this space. Um, next news, I guess, more on the positive side. <laughs> and this is where, like, you hear all these things, and it's like, I mean, is like, how is the NWL still alive? And you, you talk about all these other women's leagues that have failed, like WPS. Like, none of them had, and their coaches that were involved in all these scandals were coaching then in the W. In the WPS, um, like all the coaches, pretty much every single coach that's been let go was coaching during then. But like you talk about how the NWSL, like people like were thought this might take down the league and the league is still still kind of keeping on. And we talk about there's still interest from investors to invest in this thing. Uh, $50 million expansion fees have been approved for Boston, San Francisco and Utah. Utah, obviously. I, they, I couldn't find who the owners were. I'm guessing it's the Blitzers. I'm guessing it's the, the they own Real Salt Lake. They were probably just like, just give us a couple of years. Let's get RSL figured out. Then we'll we'll jump in. Uh, so they appear to be the uh, most ready. Both the Bay uh, San Francisco Bay Area team and Utah will kick off in uh, 2024. Boston much later. Um, I like these expansions, I think. I think the Bay Area definitely definitely deserves the team. 50 x 50 million by the way is a 5 as a 10x uh, uh increase over the last LA LA uh or Angel City uh, team. So that's and that was a, that was an ownership with the 5000 owners <laughs> each putting in $5 or whatever they wanted to do. This is this is a much more serious uh it's a serious jump up in what the league values its franchise is at. And I believe the Bay Area team was wasn't it like the Bay, Bay Area Cyber in like the Cyber raised in like the old uh, WSA? I think that's right. So I think we have uh, Brandy Chastain. I think was a part of that team. Allie Bring Wagner. that name back, by the way. Yes, do it, do it. Love love that '90s ass internet name uh, of the Cyber Rays. <laughs> all, all for that. I'll be curious to see because obviously you know we talk about why there hasn't been an MLS team in San Francisco. It's because San Jose Earthquakes are right there, um, and they're very close by. So I'll be curious curious to see. I think with all these teams, obviously Utah, we know they will probably be playing at Rio Tinto or was it America sure. First Field? Or something yes, like that. yes, <laughs> yes. Jeez, just amazing. Um, so we know they'll be there, but Boston and the Bay Area, I think, where they're going to play, I think, will be the most interesting part of all of this um, boston is delayed because of that right they're, yeah they're, they, they, there was no you know uh the the revolution have been very very close to a new stadium about 37 times since 1996 so i don't know if i don't know if that's in the conversation but they certainly have to figure something out before and i like that the league isn't just like go fine we'll figure it yeah. out we'll play at a baseball field I, i'm glad that that wasn't the case i feel like I feel like they have. There has to be some news or some discussion. The one thing we've always talked about is the one team in MLS that still doesn't have a soccer-specific stadium is the New England Revolution. 
that is the one, you know, we talk about New York has a deal in place. As far as we know, Uh, there seems to be support behind it. There are some people that have some concerns about it. Um, I think that looks like it's on it's on its way. Potentially, it's the closest they've ever gotten. Um, Of course, DC and I can talk for years about how many stops and starts we've had for a stadium. Um, But you talk about the one team. I'm wondering if that is we're going to hold off as long as we possibly can until Robert Kraft tells us what he's doing with the stadium. Now, again, there has been some closed offness um, from the Crafts towards the Boston Breakers folded and were apparently not permitted to use uh, to use any facilities that the revolution had. So I'm, but I'm wondering if possibly there is, you know, some investment, some sort of change of heart uh, amongst, we've seen it with DC. um, We've seen it with, um, with a couple other teams. I mean, that's probably DC is probably the best example of no actual ownership amongst, but you know, they, they liked Michelle King enough that they're willing to say, okay, you know, we have the stadium, we need to use it for facilities. Absolutely. You know, we'll, let's work on figuring out a way. Um, the daughter, I believe it's uh, includes the daughter of Celtics co-owner, Robert uh, Epstein is a part of this group. So um, kind of, we'll see about that. We'll see what happens with, with the new Boston team. I think it's great that that is coming back. That is, I think that kind of that, that that's a team, another team that folded. I, I don't think Rochester is ever coming back, but I think that's kind of the one team where you're like, got to have a team in Boston. So I think, yep. I think they've definitely done a lot to sort of fill out, fill out the, they have the, the three, I guess your three required teams in California, San Diego, LA and uh, San Francisco slash Bay area. Um, I, I think you're starting to see a more, a more whole picture of the NWSL. So obviously very good things to see. And we'll have to see uh, when they kick off, we have the expansion drafts coming up. Oh boy. Don't we love those? Uh- <laughs> I hear, I came up with an idea and tell me what you think about this idea. All right. This is my idea. Uh, expansion expansion teams do not get any players from other teams, but what they do get is the eight first picks in the draft. In the first round, they get they yeah. get the one through eight, and that way you you have a young team, and you're gonna have to supplement from international signings and maybe free agent signings, which are now an option in the WSL. But that way you stop depleting rosters. Yeah, and and you can you know those become assets you can trade. Um, and you can go back later in the draft or something like that. That's not yeah. a bad idea. Thank you. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Um, I think there would be some pushback against that. And I, you know, so, so, you, so you're obviously the downside is your new team will probably be pretty not good the first season. <laughs> yeah. That's how it was. That's how it usually, that's how it is in like other expansion situations. So, I don't know. Yeah. I think there would still be, I think we'll see them. Maybe we'll see how they come up, come across. I know like MLS, I think has done the job of look, look, man, there's a look, look, team there's an international whole international market out there here we'll give you five players you can take and then you know that's it and then you know you i mean i remember before it was like 10 11 players they would take in those drafts and like you would guarantee to lose at least one player now it's like here's five players here's an extra two million in allocation money go find your team and, and come back to us and it's proven you know you can still build a team that can be successful um plenty of teams have made playoffs had been competitive um, if if they if they're smart and if they if they know what they're doing, um, we, we teased this on the uh, the United ninety six show, but the Concacaf Comnable collaboration. There are developments on the women's side. Um, a new women's gold cup, which I believe was announced. Um, again, love this all for this. I think there needs to be more women's competitions. Um, I will say I I, I listened to. Um, uh, Stephanie Yang, who I think had a really good point here. Um, I'm excited about this, but you know, I think what she says 
you know, there needs to be some consistency here. This can't be a thing that they just do. They don't do much promotion of it. And they're like, oh, that was fun. Um, but we'll think about it next time and then just kind of forget about it. Um, you know, there was, I watched a video once, which I didn't even know about, like the, the disappearing Qatari women's national team, about how Qatar started a women's national team. And basically, like, just to try to get on the FIFA rankings for promotion of the World Cup, and they have not played a competitive game in, like, 10 years. So, I mean, it, it, that's a huge, huge problem when it comes to development of soccer, you know, in the U.S. and, and really and most certainly um, around the world. And, and I think I think Comnable is – I think Comnable wants to be better in women's soccer. I think they're starting to see a potential market um, for women's soccer. So I think this was – this was definitely they were like, "Hey, include us in this Gold Cup thing," which I think is great. Um, they're going to be four. Um, there will be twelve teams. Be twelve teams in this tournament. Eight from Concacaf, four from Comnable. Um, it's basically Comnable will, will be de- was determined by the 2022 Women's Copa America. I took a quick peek at what that was. If I had to guess, they had two groups. Um, I believe two groups of four in that tournament. So it was eight teams, and you had Colombia, Paraguay, Brazil, and Argentina each finishing top two in the group. They will probably be the the eight teams that will be included. And then it's going to be a there's going to be a qualification for this tournament, which I think is good. And then it's going to be the two Olympic qualifiers. The interesting part about this, and I, I kind of was doing the math like 2024. I'm like, that's during the Olympics. Um, so presumably this tournament runs from June to July. Let's just assume that. I don't know where else you fit it in the calendar, like August to September. Do you do it in the winter? So we are looking at a gold cup right before the Olympics, which I think maybe leads into some questions about if you are the, if you're a black co or whoever the U S women's national team coaches around then, what do you do about that? Because you have a major tournament and then you're going right for the Olympics. You're not sure like what you do. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure how that's all going to work out. Um, so you are looking at potentially NWSL two, let's say two and a half months from beginning of June to middle of August, where they will have no players for the national team. Like that's yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I like this tournament, but I'm just like the, the women's schedule. Ha- they got to do something, man. They got to like s- figure out a way to standardize this, take an extra year on a world cup. I mean, it's like, it's like, there's no, there's no defined structure here. It's just kind of like, oh, we're just going to do this thing. And it's like, okay, well, like if this is every four years, are we going to run up to this every Olympics? We're going to have this gold cup now. Like, I mean, I almost feel like the rush to get this together, like this would have been, I would have liked to have seen this like 2025, like do the same qualification. 2025 is an open calendar in, in, in the soccer calendar. I don't know. That, that's my thoughts on it. I love the idea, but man, the execution has me wondering. Listeners know our our perspective on uh, having a league that does not stop for to pull out all, all these tournaments where players. This league does not have the depth to do that. They think they do, they don't. It's really not. It's really not a great idea. So hopefully, whatever they decide, NWSL puts themselves in a position to not put a severely diminished product on the field every week. Yeah, it's. But then at this point, like, I don't blame the league at this point. This is the one time I don't blame the league. It's like, That's what true. do you do? Do you just take a break for two and a half months? You can't do that. Like, you know, you cannot do that. Um, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see, I guess, when we get more details on this. Um, I like the idea of more tournaments, but man, this is mess. And also, I think what has been rightly brought up there, there is a men's club component to this. There is no women's club component to this, which I think is a bit of a mistake. 
Um, I think the the club side of the game cannot be. I know there's like there's. I know it's like it feels like a win to like have this push on the national team side. The club side needs to be, I think, more um, more represented here. I think MWSL and Liga MX um, Feminal need to take the leadership on this and say, hey, let's organize a leagues cup. Let's 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 organize a league's cup. Let's have a a tournament between our between our teams. I would say that's probably of the of the leagues for women's soccer. That is probably like the two most competitive leagues in the region at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking both North and South America. Um, so organize something like that. I don't know. There, I think the I think the mistake here was there is no club component here, and I think that's a missed opportunity. I know the structures aren't there, uh, but you can also make those structures anyway. I guess that's going to do it, right? Do you have anything else you wanted to, to no, drop listen, or add? You got player news. You got <laughs> rumors of, of names that we can't pronounce yet because they're not on this team yet. So we've not seen the guide. Uh, I, I mean, uh, obviously the players are back in camp, which is great. Mm-hmm. The spirit have done a really good job of putting out content uh, of that early of those early days. I'm not sure when the first sort of friendlies pop out. So it was decent to have that stuff. A little, I mean, there's no schedule yet for this for NWSL still. So clearly they're a little bit behind the eight ball on, uh, you know, things happening, but they, at least they're back in camp and I don't, you know, knock on wood. I've not heard about any injuries yet. So we're operating here. Yep. We're operating. And Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Stephen golf for dropping. Don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> for dropping player news after we fin. Anyway, I will not bitter. I'm not bitter. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us on the on uh, Kindred Spirits here in the RFU Refugees Podcast Network. We will catch you guys next week. Vamos. Vamos.